Hello and welcome to another episode of On The Topic. And this week, uh, lightning doesn't strike twice, it strikes many a time. Because <laughs> um, we're back for another week. I'm Alex. And apparently karma kills. I'm Dan. Oh, how bleak. And this week we are talking about, I guess a volume one, let's put it in there anyway, just in case we've decided to do another one. Uh, a volume one of the world's craziest coincidences. It's very... Left field, as you'd expect for us. This Indeed. is our niche now, which we've worked out, I think. Down the rabbit hole once more. Um, and yeah, we've, uh, we've got quite a few coincidences that uh, leave us scratching our heads. Mm. It's all very odd and all very strange, but all lots of fun. But before we get into that, Dan, what have we been up to since we last saw each other? It's been um, a couple of weeks. Has it? I think it has, A couple it? of weeks, yeah. yeah. Um, tell me, tell, tell me and tell the listener what have we been up to. Not a great deal, but I did oh. watch 65 at the weekend. Right, yes. Uh, stars Adam Driver and Ariana Greenblatt. I think I've done that justice. Didn't do well at the cinema. Uh, no, I think it was renegade, relegated to like a, a B-movie status, effectively. But it looked like it had quite the budget. Yeah, $45 million and at any rate in $60.2 million. So uh, that's not, not a That's not profit. great in terms of returns. But then, I don't know, I mean, who... Who bankrolled it? Is it a, what, was it a Warner or a... Um... Uh, Columbia Pictures. Yeah, I mean, they're not a small fry. No, it was distributed by Sony as well. Interesting. So, um, yeah, only 93 minutes long, so it's not a massively long film. Oh, right. But if you think... Think Back to the Future. Yeah, great film. Jurassic Park. Love them. Uh, and a bit of Star Trek. Very sci-fi. Yeah. Lots of dinosaurs. Bit gritty. I won't give you much away, but it's very good. Me and my, me and the missus really enjoyed it. It had um from the trailer, it had like almost aliens vibes. Yeah, yeah, like cheap jump scares, but nonetheless fun. Mm. Oh, there was a couple of moments which were, were it's good exercise um, for clenching your bum cheeks. Yeah, yeah, some wow. good edge of the seat stuff, but it's really good. I mean, the fact that you know two actors have to carry this film yeah, on their yeah, own because yeah. that's it, really. Don't you don't get any other people at this. I suppose it's a bit like Castaway, but there's just an extra person. Yeah. Or was that Will Smith one that also flopped uh, After Earth? Yeah. I hardly quite enjoyed that. Where Will and then uh, Jaden Smith both did a, a side-by-side effort, and they literally just went all the way through the film. No one else was in it. Yeah. It was all right. It wasn't great, but it was it was okay. It's worth watching. What else did I watch recently? Uh, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Oh, right, yeah. It's not bad. Uh, apparently the, the two cutscenes at the end were a, a view into what was going to be happening in Shazam yes. in the future but of course DC have it's all been plugged and pulled big, yeah um, James Gunn is now rebooting the lot and it's all kicking off with Blue Beetle indeed who is um, the guy from Cobra, uh, Kai. Cobra Kai yeah yeah looks quite good looks right yeah well, but otherwise that's it for me. Just looking forward to my uh, my week off in a couple of weeks at the time of recording, and just chilling. Lovely. Have a nice little break. What about you, Alex? What what's been going on? Um, came back from Spain. Did I talk about that? The last one, possibly, maybe. Or is it Spain? Hola, you beautiful people. Um, so yes, lovely uh, sangria, lovely food, lovely sunshine. Um. Pop culture wise, actually been quite busy, which is odd. But I think I've had a couple of work trips, and what better to do than do a bit of work and then catch mm. up on some films? Um, I started to watch Avatar: Way of the Water. Oh yeah, 
pretty good. Is it? I think it's held my attention longer than the first one. I'm going to say, the, the first one just sort of feels quite long, quite yeah. laborious to watch. I saw it at the cinema, and I thought, don't get me wrong, it's a spectacular film. 100%. Graphically, it's beautiful. It's colourful. It's, it's, it, is, it is a wonder for the screen. But the story just feels... It was... A drag. It was dragged out. I think there was... Once you'd established what they're looking to do, it needs to have some pace. This one, though, I think they've managed to nail the pace. I mean, it took them, ironically... Was it seven years or something since mm. the original? Um, it is good. It is good. So I, I enjoyed watching that. Um, that's about it, really. Um, just catching up on some films and, uh, and going on holiday. But otherwise, that's me, Dan. Nice. We did get some listener feedback from our last for our last episode, Cryptids. Oh yeah. Yep. This came from Luke. He said, "Genuinely loving the Cryptid episode." I mean, it's a subject that's right up my street, but I think it's genuinely my favourite OTT episode so far. Crikey. That's some feedback, that is. It is. Well, we, we like all feedback, good, bad or indifferent, and it's lovely to hear that obviously it hit the spot for Luke. Um, cryptism is an interesting one. Uh, if not aware of that term, it's in cryptozoology, which in effect is all about strange creatures, mystical creatures and everything in between. Mm. Aliens, um, the ethereal... It's uh, it's interesting actually. We, we go all around the world. We jet set, Mongolian deathworms and Jersey devils, and Scottish Highland guides and Loch Nesses and Almers and goblins in America. Yeah, it's all very odd. But I mean, that's that was the beauty of it. It's a great episode. It's not often we do uh, two left field episodes back to back either. Usually no. we just chuck in some film reviews or whatever. But they'll come. They'll yeah. come, but no. Otherwise, um, yeah, it's uh, it was a very good episode. So I'm glad I'm glad I got some feedback. But look, guys, um, continue to let us know how we're getting on, and if there is something that you want to listen to, um, let us know what your recommendation is, and we will certainly take a look and we'll do some more research and education. Indeed. Let's dive in. Let's talk about some crazy coincidences. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what is a coincidence mm. a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances without apparent casual, without apparent causal connection oh right I want to say casual but it's just my brain want to flip all the, the letters around but yeah causal connection yes so I'll kick things off from where I started the episode karma yeah. kills right so Many relationships end on a sour note, but they rarely result in the deaths of three people. Crikey. That's a love triangle you don't want to be in. No. Legend has it that in the late 19th century, Henry Zeigland broke up with his girlfriend, who killed herself as a result. Bleak. Her brother hunted Zeigland down and shot him, committing suicide immediately after. Oof. This is, this is what I mean. It's quite bleak. Some of this is dark. Mm. Okay. Zeigland was not killed by the shot, however. The bullet ah, right, barely yeah. missed him and came to rest in a nearby tree. Near miss, so good so far. Yep. Years later, Zeigland attempted to blow up the tree, only to have the blast propel the bullet into his head, killing him. That's the thing, Dan. I, I read this one and I was a bit perplexed. I mean, 
why don't you just cut down the tree? <laughs> why do you have to blow it up? Why have you got to blow it? I mean, I know roots can be difficult to get rid of, but that just seems a little bit, even for us, yeah, a little yeah. bit over the top. A bit OTT, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, so he, he wasn't actually killed by the uh, the initial shot, but many years later when he's doing a bit of gardening. Not even killed by a bit of like bark or like splintery shrapnel from the tree. Killed by the bullet that was supposed to kill him. That is nuts. It's very odd. Very strange. I mean, I do question how true that is. I mean, it's from the 19th century. Could it have been twisted a little bit since then? You think? Bit of a wives' tale? Yeah, it could be. Um, there could be a, uh, a more story to it, but um, yeah. Wow, imagine seeing that. Yeah. Crikey. But yeah, starting off bleakly. Um, as with coincidences sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad my first one Dan is that uh, this one all the survivors of a ship tragedy had all one thing in common Mm. so you've got I think uh, a famous tragic ship could be referenced later on I think you've got that one I'll tie it in it's a nice segue okay nice see what we're doing here listener uh, it's almost like this is uh, like we talk to each other like this is, <laughs> this is planned it's not by the way it's, it's clearly you know by now it's not planned um, December the 5th 1660 so a while ago yeah a ship sank only one person was left alive and his name was Hugh Williams quite an unassuming name no offence Hugh or to the Williams clan but it is quite an unassuming name the 5th of December 1767 so 117 years later another ship sank oh boy that's not a coincidence these things happen yep 127 sadly lost their lives but one man survived what was his name Dan? let me guess Hugh Williams Hugh Williams okay that is a little bit odd a little bit strange um Now we're talking maybe 60 years later, give or take. Uh, The 8th of August, 1820. I don't know what this is, but it's a picnic boat. Is it? I guess this this is where you go out and row in a boat with your significant other, have a bit of a romantic time on the water. Have a sandwich. What do you have in a picnic boat out of interest, Dan? What what would I... Are you asking what I would eat? Yeah. Uh... Something like a, I don't know, cheese and ham sandwich, some crisps. Oh, keep it classic. What crisps? We talked about this. This goes back to our pub, our pubcast. Yeah, I think I'd go for something like salt and vinegar McCoys. Oh yeah. I think my missus would go for salt and vinegar discos. She always says discos are old school. Are yeah. they still around? Yeah, yeah. No way. Still get them. She likes the sharp salt and vinegar. Yeah. She said like just melts her taste buds off. I'm like, hmm. whatever you do, yeah. Uh, what else? Bit of fruit. Nice. Maybe a bit of Victoria sponge. Okay, good. Going a bit classic. Yeah. What about you? What, Romantic. What would you, what would you have on a picnic? I think I would get on your picnic. <laughs> um, I think I would go for a sandwich. Maybe like a, an egg mayo uh, with a bit of cress. Could be cold or chilled yeah. though. Um, I'm salivating. What are we drinking? What are we drink? Oh, we're on this date. Oh, well, we are now. Uh, well, we probably shouldn't drink and row, but I fancy maybe like a. What do you call them? You're the you're the beer connoisseur. Like um like a light pale fruity pale ale. Oh, like a session session or, IPA. Or, or a table IPA, is that table what it's called? Beer, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're usually only about two, three percent. Yeah, let's go for one of those, I think. Um of course my favourite crisps, as you know, on the WordPress we talk about this on our blog 
So uh, if you if you don't want to talk about that, was from our podcast fifth AMA. Yeah. And there's a bonus content on there. Talk about our favourite crisps. We've got some votes on this. So go and have a look if you don't want to talk about. Uh, and mine's um, a honey mustard ham affair, which is absolutely delicious. And yeah, a table lager. I like the sound of that. Anyway, mm. um, true segue fashion. Uh, let us know actually what's in your favourite picnics, guys. Um, could just start a whole, <laughs> a whole new set of episodes to talk about food. Yeah, that's what I do on the Monday night uh, TLC show on my radio show. Anyway, to talk about food, so it's no different really. We could be the new Ed Gamble and James Acaster. Yeah, dream restaurant. We're taking over. We come for you, lads. I don't know who would interview you. Um, maybe South Sea Creatives. Yeah. Speak to the Nosh guy and start start off with kick with, things off with foodies. Um. Anyway, eighth of August, eighteen twenty, a picnic boat sank near the River Thames. Now only one person lived, <laughs> and his name Hugh Williams. It was Hugh Williams. Uh, one hundred twenty years later, a British boat sank. Only two people could escape. A man and his nephew were both named. Hugh Williams. So you're telling me the man and his nephew shared the same name? Over 400 years, give or take, yes, sorry, yes, a man and his son were both called Hugh Williams. I guess one was junior and senior. Uh, but throughout 400 years, all of these people apparently were very lucky and they all shared a very lucky name. Hugh Williams. Wowzers. Who'd have thought it? Well, yeah. Odd. But you mentioned that you've got something you can tie into, and I guess it's of a boat variety. Yeah, so let's segue in. I've got two, and they're about the Titanic. Yes. So there is a man who predicted the sinking of the Titanic 14 years prior to its sinking. And this is an interesting thing, before we get into it. There are... I don't think it was in our conspiracy series. Was it volume two? We talked about Titanic? Yeah. Was it the, it wasn't the first one. It was about um, a sister boat, wasn't it? Yeah, an insurance claim. Mm. And there was some indication that it might be uh, an inside job. Yeah. But anyway, that wouldn't be a conspiracy. Uh, that wouldn't be uh, a coincidence. That would be obviously planned. But what's, That's what's your hat territory. Yeah, it is. What's your coincidence for this one? So in 1898, Morgan Robertson, who was a fantasy writer from the US, wrote about a ship sinking in a novella called Futility. The ship in the book was called the Titan. But that's not the end of the similarities. Oh, right. For example, like the real Titanic, the Titan was described as unsinkable. Mm. They also both had insufficient lifeboats and they both collided with icebergs in the North Atlantic. No way. Mm. Which again leads me nicely into how one woman survived the Titanic, the Britannic and the Olympic shipwrecks. What? Yeah. She's either very unlucky or very lucky. I think I sort of caught something in your notes. You've got something quite similar, but it is a segue very back. different. Yeah. So Violet Jessup was a nurse, an ocean liner stewardess, who earned the nickname Miss Unsinkable. Not like the Titanic. Oh! oh. By surviving... Too soon, Dan. Too soon. By surviving both the accidents of the Titanic in 1912 and its sister ship, the HMHS Britannic, which met the same fate in 1916. Did it? Apparently so. Not as well reported as the Titanic. No. Jessup was also reportedly on board a third boat, the RMS Olympic, which it hit a warship. But fortunately, the Olympic stayed afloat. 
Wow. Yeah. Nuts. So, yeah, a little bit about boats. Um, Surely, though, Dan, after the second one, would you not just give up and say the water's not for me? Uh, I would have given up after Titanic, to be honest. I ain't going on another boat. I'd have PTSD. Because I think so, was it something like 40 or 50 people survived that one? Yeah. There wasn't that many. There's only a couple of rowboats that, 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 that people survived and managed mm. to, to get to... Um, nearby shore nearby shore well, actually wasn't very near at all um, so yeah to be part of that very lucky group of people and then survive two more ship disasters that's bonkers yeah I'm not going on any more boats after Titanic but she clearly loved the water that much she um, well, as you say lightning strikes more than twice it does perhaps um, well, yeah, my one's uh, a bit similar, Dan. Um, a little bit more modern. But one man missed two Malaysian air flights that coincidentally crashed. Oof. Now, <clears throat> have you seen the, um, I think, guess it's the early 2000s horror film Final Destination? Yeah, absolutely horrific. I've not watched any of the Final Destination since. The first one was scary, man. So the first one's... Um, is that... They all merge into to, to one. So that's where he misses the plane. He has a premonition. Mm. It crashes, and obviously death then needs to... Or fate, whatever you want to look at it. Um, needs to hunt him down and to complete the cycle. Because yeah. he, he can't live. He shouldn't have lived. That's not the way things happen. Um, was that the one, or was it, was it two, with the, the highway and the logs? was the first one was it yeah oh, I, whenever, you, whenever you see those on the motorway do you just like just quickly speed up or just change lanes almost immediately oh or change lanes there's just no way I'm behind one of those bastards when I drove to York earlier in the year I would do my utmost to avoid being behind something with something on it yeah fuck that like there's, just, there's just no way like I don't care if it's hay bales whether it's you know uh a, con- a container ship there's no way I'm behind it I'm, I'm breaking the law to overtake if that bastard's going 85-90 miles an hour I'm doing 120 there's just no way I'm going to be behind mm. it it's all down to that bloody film and wasn't there Great a film, sequence by the way. as well where the, the house is on fire and you think oh here she goes she's not going to get out she's going to burn to death but actually she carks in the kitchen with a load of knives yeah. falling on her oh it's just it's horrendous well anyway this guy as far as I'm aware, doesn't have that experience, but it does bring back PTSD for me from those films. And they're great films, by the way. Um, but yeah, in 2014, there were two tragic plane crashes involving, sadly, Malaysian air flights. Now, the first was shot down over Ukraine. Um, I think, more recently, the um, they ascertained that it was a Russian surface-to-air missile that, that brought it down, but I don't know if anyone, anyone or anyone brought to justice uh, but very very sad um, and that was a commercial airline flight uh, and the second dis- disappeared without a trace somewhere over the Indian Ocean uh, we still don't know what that what that's all about they're, they're finding wreckage there's some question about the the pilot uh, but it is it is a modern-day mystery mm. we just don't know what happened with all the hundred plus people that were on that flight um, there's questions about you know when it was last pinged and Transponders were turned off and changing direction, 
but we don't know. But what we do know um, is that there was a striking coincidence, apart from the fact of sadly they were both the same airline in the short amount of time. Dutch cyclist Martin de Jong was scheduled actually, Dan, to take both those flights. Really? Now, as far as I'm aware, Mr. de Jong is around. Um, he has, though, cheated death by bumping his ticket at the 11th hour when cheaper options became available. So he was actually due to be on those flights and decided actually that he would take alternative flights and, and, and cash in the difference. Um, and as a result, he missed those two flights by a whisker. Had he not done that on both occasions, we would not know the whereabouts of Mr. Mm. Dijon. That's insane. That's mad. Crazy. Twice as well. Same airline. Does the same thing twice. It's a pro- prolific ticket bumper, apparently. But, um, yeah, that's nuts. Mm. Talk about cheating death. What about reincarnation? Okay. Tell me more. So the founder of the Ferrari company, Enzo Ferrari, died on August the 14th, 1988. Just a month later, on October the 15th, Arsenal footballer Mesut Ozil was born. Mm. Now, if you look at their pictures side by side, they look very similar. We'll put it in the um, in the, the blog post after this episode, but they are a spitting image of each yeah. other. Massive coincidence, proof of reincarnation, you decide. The pics will be on our socials as well, but say, Alex, you, you can put it in the WordPress. Mm. Very, very weird. And it's an interesting one about reincarnation, yeah. They are... They are almost twins. Mm. The the thing with reincarnation is there has been a number of crazy scenarios and instances where children as, as young as four or five end up coming out with some absolute bonkers like memories or stories of mm. things that couldn't have possibly happened, they couldn't have possibly seen, but they talk about very intimate memories from people who have recently passed away. Yeah. We talked about this in our first October, our first um, Halloween episode, right? Back in 2020. Um, You're doing your Rain Man thing again. I don't know how you keep up was, with all this stuff. I think it was OTT six. Right. And my cousin, when he was a kid, he saw John Major, who was a Tory um, prime minister at the time. Yes. And he said, "Oh, that's Johnny Doofus." And my auntie was like, "What are we on about? It's Johnny Doofus." I was in the war with him, and. I mean, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Portsmouth news, unless you're from Portsmouth and you like me, used to read that stuff. You used to have uh, like a birthdays and a death section, mm. sort of towards the back. And of course, two weeks later, my auntie's looking through it, and there's Johnny Doofus who just died. Wow. Oh, my cousin was only like three or four at the time. It's just it's, it's nuts. There Crazy. might be something in it. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah. So um, yeah, we want we want your thoughts. Do you think it's Enzo Ferrari decided he wants to come back and be a footballer? Or... Mesut Ozil, who's Mesut a, Ozil. He, was, he was a fantastic is 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 was before he, he went was. to Arsenal. Um, fantastic footballer, yeah. I think he's retired now. Not quite is sure. He? A lot of controversies around some of his uh, maybe uh, private but made public life. Uh, one of those yeah. ones. Okay, so for reincarnation, we are going to go to um, dictators and just general terrible people, Dan. Um, oh, boy. On the 20th of June, 1940, so it's on the cusp of what is quite a dark period 
of humanity's long list of sad times. Um, Soviet archaeologists uncovered the tomb of Tamerlane in what is now Uzbekistan. Now, from films and popular culture, we always know that uncovering a tomb is never generally a good thing. Now, Tamerlane, to make things worse, saw himself as Genghis Khan's heir, was a Turco-Mongol conqueror and a founder of the Timurid Empire in Persia and Central Asia. So this guy effectively wanted to control most of the known world. And Genghis Khan took no prisoners. No, he was quite a, a savage, if I recall. But he commanded um, quite an army and from quite an interesting part of the world. <coughs> now, apparently, when this, uh, this guy passed away, he had on his tomb a warning inscription, which read, Whomsoever opens my tomb when I unleash an invader more terrible than I. Which, um, you know, the Soviets decided to go against that, ignored the warning and opened the tomb anyway. Three days later, 1940, Adolf Hitler launched Operation Barbarossa, the largest military invasion of all time upon the Soviet Union. Wowzers. Now, quite rightly, invaders, invasions take a long time to plan and mobilise and the rest of it. But when this guy says, if you open my tomb, there'll be someone even worse than me that I'm going to unleash upon the world. And sure enough, a couple of days later, Adolf bloody Hitler decides to kick off World War Two. You know, it's, you could say that's fate. Yeah. Or you could say that's just people just not minding their own business they should do and reading the bloody inscriptions and leaving that guy to rest. Do you believe in curses? Yeah. Hmm. You just don't fuck around with dead people. Nah. Why Why would you? Um, I don't want to say too much because this is going to date this episode. Um, but what I will say is because we're talking about the Titanic, currently at the time of recording, um, there's sad news of this submersible going missing. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that anyone is to blame. I'm not saying that they've caught it upon themselves. I'm not saying anything at all because it's horrific and it's sad. But what I will say is we shouldn't really be going to visit these places where people have sad lost their lives it sh- I know it's a bit intriguing and it's macabre but we've got no business being there man like nah. if if you're going digging up people in their tombs guess what bad stuff's going to happen it's just it's just just the way things look just the way mm. things are can't I just leave people alone could be a left field episode for the future when we talk about this stuff. I'm sure there was a thing about Tutankhamun and them opening yeah. up that tomb and some weird, creepy stuff going on. Indeed. Yeah. Leave it alone. Maybe that's going to be a, a Halloween episode <clears throat> for this year. That'd be a good one. That might be a good one. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. Write I'll add down. to the list. Put a pin, yeah, put a pin in there. But yeah. Um, warning inscriptions. Take heed. Leave the dead alone. Don't go opening tombs because otherwise Hitler is going to invade and start a world war. Mm. Well, talking of world wars, again, nice little segue there, Alex. A license plate that predicted World War One. Oh, right, yeah. As most historians agree, the First World War, which would go on to last four years and claim the lives of millions, all began with the death of one man. Mm-hmm. 
On June 28, 1914, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was killed by Bosnian Serb Yugoslav nationalists. War soon followed, drawing in an ever-widening network of allies into what became a global conflict. Yes. No one had any clue when or how it would end, with one possible exception, a licence plate on a car. What? I know. When looking for answers, it typically pays to go back to where it all started. As sure any enough. true detective would say. Indeed. Yeah. Sure enough, the very car in which Franz Ferdinand was murdered contained a prediction. His licence plate was A111118, which many retroactively read as Armistice, 11th November 1918. Yeah. Very weird. Very much so. But yeah, World War One. A coincidence. I think that's just pure coincidence, right? Has to be. It'll be on brand for this episode, that's for sure. Um, but very on point. How do you feel, Dan, about Frank Sinatra? Beautiful voice, sultry. Yeah. Remember the Rat Pack? Yeah. Great music. What do you reckon about the song My Way? I did it my way. I was not even doing any there's justice. A, there's a twinkle in his eye, listener. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. Uh, and also, um, who's the guy that does Family Guy? Seth? Seth, yeah, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Does a very good cover he that He does. Song. Very yeah. good. But yeah, big fan. I like it. Good. Other people were, but almost too much, Dan. Um, Frank Sinatra's song My Way spent 75 weeks as a top 40 hit. Another 49 weeks in the top 75 when it's released. Sounds like my radio show. Now, the song's arguably Snatch's biggest and most memorable hit ever, and it's still popular to this day. So people play it, I think, at weddings or mm. general get-togethers. You know, it's almost um, one of the final songs of the evening yeah. when people have had a bit too much to drink and they all come together and start singing as loud as they possibly can, uh, which is great. Now, um, maybe even too popular, at least in the Philippines, because bad things happen when, when people sing it there. Let me explain. So between the years 2002 and 2012, so 10 years, upwards of a dozen people were killed in connection to this song. Go on. In the Philippines, karaoke is both very popular and very serious. They take it very seriously. Serious enough that at least one of those 12 people killed by singing the song out of tune. Now, um, you just did exactly that, so... Um, I'm probably going to cough it in a minute. Now, uh, unfortunately, listener, as you would have heard, Dan has... Oh, should really joke, actually. This could be... <laughs> I'm still alive. He's still, he's still here. Just. Bit, bit of theatrics. Um, it takes more just a mouse a mouse to the head. There's a bit of blood. Um, it's okay. Am I going to survive? It's just jam. Okay. Um, yeah, it was reported at the time that the song had already been taken off numerous playlists because violence kept breaking out when people sang it poorly. Apparently another victim was stabbed in 2018. Jesus, when a fight broke out... <laughs> Before the song even started. Didn't even get a chance to sing it. Didn't even utter any words and it was shivered. In another instance, a four-year-old was singing the song. Oh, no. Adults started arguing. And one man attacked another with a meat cleaver. I can't believe what I'm reading here. The only common theme that they think is a choice of the song, it seems, make it quite a deadly coincidence. <laughs> with little reason for the deadly acts beyond the arrogant lyrics making people angry. I'm not sure if 
well, I guess it's literal in terms of arrogance, but I think it's it's quite a nice song. But yeah, in the Philippines, I'm I'd be surprised if it hasn't been blacklisted from any kind of karaoke bars. That sounds pretty serious. It does. Dozens of people have died in ten years because that song. That's nuts. Yeah. Imagine, imagine you're going along to a party or gathering or some public event and a lovely, beautiful, squeaky voice of a four-year-old starts to sing this wondrous song <laughs> by a, a Rat Pack member and someone takes a meat cleaver and carves someone up. Yeah, mad. That's nuts. That is a coincidence. I'm just, I'm just yeah. That make me think, actually... Am I ever going to sing Frank Sinatra's My Way? I'm never going to play it on the radio, that's for sure now. No. That's been blacklisted from the Monday night TLC show at Chichester Hospital Radio. And don't sing it like I did. No. Otherwise you'll get a mouse to the head. That is nuts. Yeah, Frank Sinatra's My Way Killings. Wowzers. I never thought uh, I'd say those, those same things in the same sentence. Let's lighten the mood. If I told you Raining Cats and Dogs, yes. what do you think of? Um... Well, in the UK, that translates to being very, very heavy rain. And we get quite a lot of that, usually 10 months of the year. Well, have I said it was raining babies? Oh. F- falling from stalks? Hear me out. So one day in 1937, Detroit street sweeper Joseph Figlock was hit on the head by a baby who tumbled from a four-floor window. It's wow. okay. It's all good. Figlock broke the baby's fall... While both were injured, the baby lived. That's going to hurt. Ba- Four-year-old children. Four years old? No. Um, as a baby. Just a baby. It floor. doesn't say how old it was. When babies aren't light, that's going to hurt. From a fourth floor up, that's... It's torn this house that we're in mm. So a year later, Figlock was going about his business, sweeping in an alleyway, as you do, when another child, this time a two-year-old, fell from the sky right onto Figlock. Now I know two-year-olds are heavy, so that would have smarted. Once again, Figlock unwittingly saved the day. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. Twice. Mm. Coincidence? Or just very fortunate? It might be... uh, Depends (laughs) when they look at it, really. Probably very fortunate for the children. Um... It might be the algorithms. Do Do you see these videos? And they're usually in the Far East where babies just falling seemingly out of skyscrapers or tall buildings and people are underneath are catching children. Do you see those videos? Yeah, yeah. What is that all about? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm targeted by this stuff, which is weird in itself, I know. And don't judge me, listener. By now, you probably know my browsing history, so it may not be that odd. But that's weird, right? Like, yeah. someone's A, filming it, and B, there's a lot of them. There are whole compilations of people catching other people who are falling out of buildings why is that happening and why is it <laughs> happening so often uh, oh, I don't attempt fate right and I, I will go into buildings I have no plan to I, mean, I was there last night I was in the, the Duck and Waffle in London beautiful venue lovely food very high up mm. but I have no interest in falling from that height nah sod that I've been to the top of the Gherkin in London, actually, not far from where you were. Um, Just opposite. That's high up. Yeah. I mean, I ran up all 30 floors for charity. More fall for you. I'd never do that. 
it was quite painful. I got yeah. to the 12th floor. I don't know what was going on on that day because it was really warm. We did a 10 o'clock wave. I got to the 12th floor, I was dying. At least you didn't spew. No. It was all, I mean, I nearly did when I took the um, the bubbly at the top. Right. Took a sip, obviously, because you're, I mean, I don't know what it is. You sort of have a bit of acid reflux mm. after all that running up some stairs and um, dip me in. Nice view, though. Beautiful. Beautiful part of the world if you can visit. Um, but yeah, uh, next time you're walking in around taller buildings, have a cursory glance up because there might be falling children. Yeah, indeed. You could save them twice. You could do. Be the hero we all need you to be. Keeping a lighter mood, The Simpsons. Yep. They've predicted an awful lot. There's quite a few here, Dan. So in the episode, episode um, dollar sign for S, Springfield, the town of Springfield legalises gambling to help create tax revenue. But before long, a casino is opened and Homer ends up working as a blackjack dealer. It's actually quite a good episode, I seem to remember. The episode's main plot point was pointing out an issue that was very controversial at the time. The many mid-sized and smaller cities were legalising gambling to earn money, an issue that's once again become a hot topic in the era of sports betting. However, it was a short skit in the episode that would truly earn its infamy. Now, naturally, Springfield's casino needs a Vegas show, so the flamboyant magic of Gunther and Ernst premiered, which is um, a spoof of, I think it's... Uh, uh, 80s and 90s um, uh, circus performance uh, Secret and Roy's famous show in the Mirage um, they're famous for the white lions and white tigers now in the Simpsons episode very famous the white tiger has a flashback of being poached from the wild and suddenly attacks his train on stage in 2003 Dan this became all too real when Roy was suddenly attacked by his white tiger on stage and Roy's neck oh. was severely bitten injuring his nerves and the spine. Uh, he barely survived the encounter and was never able to perform again. Ouch. So the Simpsons actually, well, I think they were, you know, it was less probably about a coincidence and more about you just shouldn't be dicking around with animals. And sure enough, it just so happens, perhaps, that these street, these, these performers, these famous mm. performers, actually happen in real life. Don't poke a, a sleeping child, is, that, is probably the way it goes. Don't sleep poker sleeping bear or a tiger well the tiger's gonna bite you um so that's one of them uh in the episode of war of art someone is forging artworks with the belief that they're helping the world and the episode has nothing to do with space at all but it does show one scene where richard branson is admiring his art collection while floating weightlessly in his spacecraft of course now, very 20... richard branson no indeed well this is the point so in 2021 he did actually end up going to space <laughs> in his virgin atlantic spacecraft so just a couple of years ago and the company claims it will start its commercial operations in 2023 well the simpsons did correctly predict that he would do that and the show creators had obviously some help from pop culture and by 2014 when the episode had aired virgin galactic was already famous and making major headlines since around 2011 so People were saying it wasn't so much about predicting, but actually mm. seeing that, you know, adding one and one and making two. But nonetheless, that was another one. But it's interesting how pop culture ends up perhaps informing um, modern innovation or um, or technological feats. And if you, know, you look at things like, I don't know, Star Trek, Dan, you know, they're talking about um, video screens or... Well, they're walking around with pads, which end yeah. up being iPads. Um, 
you know, other devices that end up becoming a reality. Well, um, in another episode that transported the Simpsons to the future, season five's Lisa's wedding sees Lisa visit a fortune teller in Renaissance Fair. This is a great one, actually. I think is it is it Bart a um, a dropout or something? She ends up being the president of of, of the US. So I think yeah, that's a different one. Yeah. I think it's this one. These are generally some of my favourite Simpsons They're episodes. really good. They're so forward-thinking. You obviously you see the characters, but as adults, and of course, they're perpetually always, was it five and eight years old, and Maggie's yeah. always sucking on a dummy, even though it's like 30 years since it started. Yeah. Um, now, the fortune teller transports her to the year 2010. Set a time some 15 years in the future. Show Lisa her true love and what her wedding will look like. Now, the episode is filled apparently with futuristic tech. One being the picture phone, where Lisa calls Marge and chats with her on the screen that's attached to the phone. <coughs> now, everyone with a smartphone knows this became reality when Apple launched FaceTime. And strangely enough, FaceTime was launched in 2010, the same year that episode was set. Interesting. Wasn't a thing when it originally was um, was aired, but was was become uh, had become a reality when that episode five years in the future was set. Mm. Odd coincidence, but is that popular culture informing modern technology, or is that a coincidence altogether? It's an interesting one. You've left me scratching my beard. There we go. Yeah. One to ponder. I mean, more um, familiar, I guess, in the pop culture world, Game of Game of Thrones. Yeah. They did actually um, guess, I think some years ago now, how the latest or last season would end. Which is hot trash, by the way. Yeah, it was horrible. Uh, with the dragon laying waste to the city, um, they did very, something very, very similar um, in The Simpsons. So um, they they do a very good job of uh, fortune telling. Yeah, interesting. Well, a nice little segue actually hmm. into Edgar Allan Poe. Oh right. Now, did he have a time machine? Some people seem to think so. Hmm. How else could he have known about an event almost half a century before it happened? Okay. In his book called *The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket*. The author describes how four sailors who survived the sinking of their ship were forced to eat a rather unfortunate cabin boy named Richard Parker. What? Mm. That's grim. Now, although Poe claimed that the story was based on real events, that wasn't actually true. Oh. 46 years later, however, a boat really did sink and the members of the crew who were rescued were forced to eat a cabin boy in order to survive. Do you want to take a pop at what his name was? No. Richard Parker. If you're Richard Parker, would you actually step foot on a boat? This is... (laughs) Not now, you don't. I just... These people, I just... I think they should need to read the room and go, you know what? I mean, look, Dan, if, if, if anything we've been doing for the last couple of years on this podcast shows you, you should probably stay away from the sea. Oh, God, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just... It just screams death and, 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 and horrific experiences and if you've got quite an unfortunate name from the literary world would you continue to work on the sea just, nah. there's just no way absolutely no way hard pass I just wouldn't you know I was talking I mean I know we've sort of touched upon it about this um, 
You know, the people went down to the look at the Titanic. I wouldn't pay 250k Mate, to do that. There's better ways to spend <clears> your <throat> money. I'd buy a house. That might be a good way to... That'd be know. one of the first things you'd do. Yeah. But I was talking to my wife about this. Would you, conversely, regards the money, pay to go into space? Would you do a Richard Branson or SpaceX? Mm. See, that intrigues me more. But that's also fraught with danger as well, right? Yeah. We've got no business being in either location. Just keep me firmly on the ground. I'm happy here. I mean, I think space does intrigue me a little bit more than going underwater. Mm. But, I mean, equally, it's going to be dangerous either way, isn't it? You know, you, there's always a risk with everything you do in life. You know, I could get in my car in a minute and drive home and... Oh, damn, that's going to be a coincidence. Don't finish that sentence. I'm going to shut up now. Yeah. Let's not. Let's not. <coughs> if this is our last episode, um, we'll know why. It's been a pleasure. You have to replace me with Chooks. We we give it a go. We give her we give her a run in. We'll sub <laughs> we'll sub her in. Give her a couple of um, episodes. See how she gets on. Okay, that's bleak. Um, mm. Back to better things. Well, no, because oh. actually, in the early 16th century, the Aztecs, one of the biggest and most um, famous of empires um, huge scientific leaps and bounds they were um, uh, prolific kind of religious individuals built some fantastic structures still surviving today um, they were at the peak of their prosperity under a Montecuza Ma the second Oh, Montecuza you went Mar? Yeah, done and done. In 1519, however, an ancient and deadly f- prophecy seemingly came true, bringing unimaginable, dest- unimaginable destruction to this awe-inspiring civilization. According to local legend, Quetzalcoatl, described as being a bearded and of white skin um, being, would one day return from his travels once again to stake claim over the Aztec people. Now, the predicted date on the Mayan calendar, which is different from the Gregorian one, just so happened to coincide with the year when who would arrive to uh, to make contact with the Aztecs? Go on. It's the Spanish, <laughs> led by the bearded and white-skinned Hernán Cortés. And what did, purportedly, the Spanish bring with them? Disease. Oh. And all of the lovely things that come from people who have no business meeting indigenous tribes and the rest of it um, and of course that was the down the downfall of the Aztec Empire they had all of these wonderful things that they, they had but they didn't have modern medicine yeah. to protect themselves and they uh, they were shortly wiped out ouch that Aztecs sucks. predicting the arrival of Cortes what is it about the human race that just has this knack of destroying things. It's why we can't have nice things, Dan. We can <clears> never have nice things. That's just that is just, I guess, today's summary. Because I think last time I was over, you were talking about something you and your wife have been watching. Oh, um, keep it PG. You said it was something sort of quite high up. It was like a wonder of the world or something, and where obviously we're littering and bringing in things. It's sort of destroying that. Sort of beautiful area. I can't remember what you. Oh yes, um, it was a Simon Reeve episode. <clears throat> that was it. Um, Simon Reeve. I'm not sure if he translates to other countries, but here in the UK, he does lots of um, 
walking different countries and cultures and very informative, backed by the BBC, very well spoken, unlike me and Dan. Um, and he's quite quite well informed. And yeah, there, he was effectively saying, you know, there's a place in South America, uh, it was very high up, like the film Up, um, highly untouched since, you know, like the Jurassic period, and is being left to his own devices um, to evolve or not as the case may be. It's untouched, almost like a time capsule. Mm. But people are visiting it and leaving all manner of nasty things in the wake. Banana skins, which don't belong there. Um, they're shitting everywhere because a man and a woman has got to defecate. But do you really have to do it in the natural surroundings of a pres- preserved area? Because in their fecal matter... Uh, Listen, that's not the worst thing you've heard on this topic on this channel, right? Uh, so don't 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 pull that face in hearing me talk about <laughs> poo. Um, but in there are seeds and there's things that you've eaten. Well, that then goes into the ground, and there are then invasion, evasionary, alien to that environment, yeah. uh, plants and fruits that shouldn't be there, and it ends up taking over and, and killing it. It's which is quite have nice things because humans are invariably dicks. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I've got another poo story. Oh, lovely! It's not, it's, it's not my poo story, I, but I'm not sure we we really ventured out in this direction forty <laughs> uh, odd minutes ago. But um, it's taken a very odd turn. But go on, tell me. So when I went travelling in 2008, I went to Beijing. I went to the yes. forbid, the, the Forbidden City, and really it's, hot place there. It's baking beautiful yeah. though. I mean, we went in February and it was freezing at the oh, time, was it? so all the the rivers and the lakes were frozen over. No way. Yeah, it was really cold. But anyway, we've gone to the Forbidden City. It's only been it would only been open at the time for about ten years. Yeah. Or something, so still relatively new to everyone, and um, and I just remember staring in horror as I saw a parent put his kid in the corner of this beautiful, you know essentially what was forbidden at one point yes and just curls one out a Mr Whippy it was a Mr Whippy that it was gross disgusting and just left it and I was like do you have no respect for this thing that you've been like we've not been able to enter this for thousands of years or whatever it is and someone's defecated yeah we can't have nice things Dan exactly that is a key takeaway of this episode. <laughs> it is taking a steep dive, but when does it, it not? Yeah. Well, it starts a couple of episodes ago when you started talking about vampires and bonus, and it's, it clearly hasn't recovered. We're still reverberating through the episode since. Yeah, it is. Um, okay. So from that then, my last one is the 27 Club. Okay. This one's quite infamous. Um, refers to a group of people, Dan. I mean, the club usually indicates as a membership subscription, but I don't... Well, thankfully, we haven't subscribed to this club. We are too old. Okay. Um, mainly musicians, but people who are 27 years old have died. Oh, I know where this is going. Started in the late 1960s, Rolling Stone, Brian Jones, Doors' frontman, Jim Morrison, and Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix all died at this age all too young and most of them if not arguably all in their prime yeah um, two and a half decades later sadly Kurt Cobain passed away 
which in itself is a controversy. Yeah. Either he did it himself or he he was murdered. Conspiracy theory in that one alone. Yeah. And it's sad, whatever way you look at that one. But yeah, he he passed away at 27. And more recently, of course, Amy Winehouse died at the age of 27 when she overdosed. And again, that's a very sad story. And I think she was let mm. down by a number of different people. But um, yeah, all of them, all of those apparently 60-plus artists, musicians and actors since the start of the 20th, 20th century all passed away at the age of 27. Yeah. So if wow. you are a creative of any description and you are soon to turn 27, run for the hills, wrap yourself up in cotton wool and bubble wrap. Don't leave your house. Do not walk near any tall buildings where babies can fall on you. <laughs> Do not get onto planes. Do not get onto boats or long cruises. We talked about those already. Stay at home. Stay out of the kitchen. Yeah. In fact, just stay in bed. Get a bubble. Just stay in a bubble. Wait out a year and you're safe. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some of these, um, you know, I mean, there's some sort of quite destructive celebrities out there anyway, especially when they were younger. There were a lot of people on the internet theorising, would these people Yeah, would they add? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which in itself is bleak, right? But I mean... People are inherently self-destructive at times, and you, you do look at them going, they are destined. It's really, really sad. Mm. But thankfully, a lot of them, I think, have, have uh, had interventions and they've sought help, or people have close them have helped. But sadly, it looks like some of those people um, didn't get the help they needed. Yeah, shame. Very sad. I've got a couple more to round things yes. off. So let's talk about US presidents and comets. Tell us. What do those things have in common? Uh, nothing really, the comets and the presidents, but there's some fascinating stuff out there. Um, so I've, got, I've actually got three on presidents, but they all tie in quite nicely. Yeah. So let's start off with the strange coincidences between Lincoln and Kennedy. Okay. Two of America's presidents, namely Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy, share a multitude of barely believable coincidences. Both were killed from gunshot wounds to the back of the head. Both died on a Friday. Bleak. Both died before a celebration, so Kennedy was assassinated on the eve of Thanksgiving, and was Lincoln he? was killed right before Easter. Wow, I didn't know mm. that. And each one of them were accompanied by their wife and another couple. But there's more. Both had a friend called Billy Graham. Both had four children. Both had four secretaries named after the other. So Kennedy's secretary was called Mrs. Lincoln. While Lincoln's secretary was called John. No, not um, John. And both of their successors were vice presidents called Johnson. Lincoln was shot in Ford's theatre, and Kennedy was shot in a Lincoln made by Ford. No, Rapid no, that is that, that is a very sad coincidence. It's very odd. It's very odd. Mm. But John Milk's Booth's brother saved Abraham Lincoln's son from death. So it's not all bad. No. I mean, ironically, John Wilkes Booth was the assassinator of Lincoln. Yes. So John Wilkes Booth and Abraham Lincoln reportedly had a coincidental family connection long before Booth shot Lincoln on that fateful day in April in 1865. Booth's brother Edwin was a somewhat famous stage actor who ardently supported the Union during the Civil War. While in a train station in New Jersey, Lincoln's son, Robert Todd Lincoln, 
leaned up against a stopped train, nearly falling onto the tracks as it started up again. Wow. Edwin Booth grabbed him by the collar and saved him just in time. What a hero. What a hero. The younger Lincoln recognised his hero and wrote about the incident, but it wasn't until years later that Booth found out who he'd actually saved. Wow. Mm. And that same son of Lincoln's witnessed three presidential assassinations, so this is quite bleak. Um, while it would be rare to be present for the death of any president, yeah. Robert Todd Lincoln was in some way present for not one, not two, but three assassinations. Though he wasn't at the theatre during his father's fateful shooting, he was rushed to his deathbed and sat by his side while the elder Lincoln passed away. Later, he was an eyewitness to the killing of President James A. Garfield. And finally, in 1901, Lincoln was nearby in Buffalo, New York, at the invitation of President William McKinley, when the president was fatally shot. It's not good to be a president, is it? No. No. But let's round things off quite nicely and talk about comets. I'm not talking about my old band. I had to sneak that one in. You had to, yeah. Quite rightly. So Mark Twain's birth and death coincide with Haley's Comet. Yes. uh, We we only had one recently, didn't we? A couple of years ago? Yeah. Uh, Every 25 years, something, is it? Or 30 years? Something like that. I remember seeing it in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Me, my dad and my nan went out to sort of the... We were just trying to find somewhere sort of quite dark, really. You know, mm. went out to the countryside and you could just sort of see it properly. It I would say 1995. Yes, I think you're right. It was around that Cracking time, year for music. It was. Mm. Uh, so Samuel Langhorne Clemens, known more popularly by his nom de plume, Mark Twain, was born in 1835. Now, that was the same year that Haley's Comet made its first appearance. Got a little spider in front of me. You have. The comet made a second appearance in 1910, the year that Twain died, and the author, according to the New York Times, famously predicted that the two events would coincide. He's quoted as saying, The Almighty has said, no doubt. Now here are these two unaccountable freaks. They came in together, they must go out together. That's harsh. Hmm. He said it himself. Yeah. But let's round it off nicely. It's a nice story. A meteor hit the Comet family's home. Yes. Have you seen this one? I have. National Geographic reports that your odds of being killed by a meteor are one in, I think it's like 1,600,000. I think I've got that right. I'm not good with numbers. Um, yeah, 1.6 million. Yeah. Um, that's not a lot. That's... That's not a lot, though. No. In a world where there's seven going on eight billion people, they're not great odds. No. No, certainly not. No. So the odds would seem infinitesimally small that a meteor, which had been flying through space for more than four and a half billion years without hitting a target, would hit the home of a family with the surname Comet. Now, it's a French name. Uh, it's spelled C-O-M-M-E-T-T-E. According to Time, in a bizarre case of cosmic synchronicity, that is exactly what happened to one family in France. 
Thankfully, no one was hurt, and the Comets are now the proud owners of their own extremely rare extraterrestrial rock. Wow. So that rounds up sort of quite nicely for this episode. But we've got some listener feedback. Well, because of this listener, Alex, we've got some bonus content as well. Oh, lovely. Because we love it so much. Thank you so much, guys. So Dan wrote in, one of our regular listeners. Oh, yeah. And he said, the number of films Nicolas Cage appears in and the deaths per year by falling in a swimming pool. Right. So when you look at the graph, we'll put this on our WordPress and on our social media. If you look at the look at this graph, yes, it follows a very similar pattern. There are correlations between the years which the the films are released, and clearly, a uh, number of people who drowned by falling into a swimming pool. They have the same peaks and troughs. Yeah. Well, they're not one for one. So I think the highest high and the lowest low isn't exactly one for one. Actually, they're eerily following the same trend. Yeah. Which is bizarre. It is very bizarre. But it got me thinking. It gave me a little light bulb moment. Oh, right. You're familiar with the football Aaron Ramsey, aren't you? I am, yes. Do you know about the curse of Aaron Ramsey? I do not. You must be familiar. So, let me dive in. Tell us. This curse, more of a mysterious mystery, always circles social media channels following an Aaron Ramsey goal. Right. You must know where I'm going with this. Typically, whenever the Welshman nets in a game, a well-known celebrity or personality is doomed to pass away soon after. Out of 76 career goals of Ramsey, around 26 have been followed by a high-profile death. No. I won't name them all, but I've picked up some good ones. Well, maybe not good ones. Well, not, not if not... you're one of these celebrities. No. I've picked out the best ones, I'd say. Osama Bin Laden died on the 2nd of May 2011, a day after Aaron Ramsey scored against Manchester United. Okay. Steve Jobs died on the 5th of October 2011, three days after he scored against Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Gaddafi died on the 20th of October 2011, a day after he scored against Marseille. Whitney Houston died on the 11th of February 2012, a day after he scored against Sunderland. Paul Walker died on 30th November 2013, the same day he scored against Cardiff. Paul Walker scores the same day against Cardiff? <laughs> the same day Aaron Ramsey scored against right. Cardiff, yeah. Robin Williams died on the 11th of August 2014, the day after Aaron Ramsey scored against Manchester City. It gets worse, Alex, I'm afraid. Mm. David Bowie died on the 10th of January 2016, the day after Aaron Ramsey scored against Sunderland. I mean, 2016 was a bleak year for celebrity deaths. Yeah. Alan Rickman died on the 14th of January 2016, a day after Aaron Ramsey scored against Liverpool. Sorry, Alex. Yeah, not good. Now, this is one that actually came up in an episode when we did the weekly roundup days. It is. You were not familiar with this death. I was not at that time. So, Roger Moore, is he a sir? I think he Yeah, is he was, yeah. 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 Died on the 23rd of May 2017, two days after he scored against Everton. Which came as a big surprise to me when we talked about it in our James Bond episodes. Yes. In the early days. Uh, Olivia Newton-John died on the 8th of August 2022, a day after Aaron Ramsey netted the equalising goal on his debut for Nice against Toulouse. Wow. I think this guy just needs to, to retire because he's 
causing havoc. But he's he's scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, well, stop scoring goals. Yeah. You need to start aiming for Rose Ed, Aaron, I'm afraid. Yeah. Aim it for Billy and Rose Ed. Go for his head and... I mean, are we killing off people in the crowd now? Just go with an assist. Yeah. An indirect goal. That that mm. still gets you a bonus, right, in football? You still get you still get paychecks for assists, don't you? Yeah. I think you do. There must be sort of bonuses or whatever in their contracts. Yeah. Go for the assist, um, Aaron. Don't... Yeah. Don't, don't, is it Aaron Ramsey? Aaron Ramsey, yeah. yeah. Don't go for goals. Um, go help your buddies out and save save, save some lives. I'm surprised as a football fan you weren't familiar with that one. No. <clears throat> How very odd. Mm. And very bad if you're a celebrity. Yes. But yeah, a little bit of bonus content there. I love it. So thanks, Dan, for that little light bulb moment. I just thought I'd squeeze that in at the end. Yeah, beautiful. And that has been another week. It has. Uh, what have we got coming up, Alex? What are we, what are we thinking? What are we doing? We're probably going to have a film review of some description, so we'll go to the cinema. I'm thinking we probably want to do um, a watch-along. Yeah, we should probably do John Wick, because we missed out on the cinema. We can do a one. John Wick, or do Deep Blue Sea, because you haven't watched that, apparently. Yeah. It's only been like three <laughs> or four years, um, so you're well overdue for that. Um, but I think there's plenty of things we could do. So maybe I'll watch long. But um, what else have we got on our list? Uh, well, we've got quite a lot, actually. Um, we're going to look at TV plot holes. Oh, yes. Because that's where the whole vampires and bonus things came from. Yep. Although I've been watching a lot of Buffy recently. And I'm going right. to throw this into the mixer. Okay. What about favourite anti-heroes? We've done okay. favourite villains. We have. What about anti-heroes? What, like the Punisher? Yeah. Spike from Buffy? Yeah. Quite like him. Not sure I like his accent, but yeah. Oh, he's sort of a bit of a... A Brit bad boy, isn't he? Yeah. He's not a fan of his accent. I don't think so. But no, 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 he is an anti-hero by the very end, isn't he? Yeah. He he effectively saves the world, doesn't he? he doesn't he sacrifice himself and... I genuinely can't remember. I think he does. Well, no, does he survive and rise off in the sunset with Buffy? I actually don't know. I've, I've, I've not been like twenty so. years or something since the ending, or longer? Uh, no longer. Thirty. No, you're right. It was. Uh, it's been twenty years. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, I think season seven aired in two thousand and three. So you're right. Wow. Uh, what else are we considering? I mean, it's quite a lot. Our list is huge. We'll probably do a, a review of Secret Invasion, uh, which yes. dropped today at the time of listening, it episode did. one. Uh, you want to talk about the Black Knight? I do. I think we should probably do our annual what grind your gears because there's some new things grinding my gears at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I say there's plenty to look forward to. Just keep an eye on those socials and um, get involved whenever we drop them. We've always got it worked out. What are our socials, Dan? We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, which is at on the topic pod, and we are on Gmail, which is on the topic podcast at gmail.com. And Alex, we're slowly catching up. We've got our YouTube channel and WordPress. Yeah, YouTube at O-T-T-G-I-T-S. Which is get in the sea. Or alternatively, um, you can visit our WordPress. I mentioned it a couple of times this episode. Uh, we are, in addition to all of our episodes, you can find and listen to on there. If you don't have a podcast player of preference, uh, you can play our whole back catalogue. Um, from that website you can see our ugly mugs 
you can see our bios, you can visit our partner affiliate website, uh, Morbid and Mundane on the Etsy um, uh, marketplace. Um, there's also bonus content, so we've got sometimes follow-up content for our main episodes, mm. and there'll be a couple from this one. Uh, more recently, we've had our podcast. We've also had cryptids. I guess more for the the visual stuff that doesn't really translate through yeah. the podcast medium for obvious reasons. So um, go have a look as you're listening, whenever you're listening, and it can be um, a, a companion to this audio platform. Well, we should do some short burst reviews on there. Something that's probably not necessarily episode worthy. But nonetheless, yeah, maybe mm. we can write some stuff. Um, that is on the topic podcast.wordpress.com. So go subscribe, hit that notification bell, join our newsletter, and look out for our latest episodes as they drop. There's literally no excuse not to be up to date and not to keep on track with your favourite podcast preference from the South Coast in Portsmouth, UK. And we've nearly, very, very nearly caught up on YouTube now. We have. So new episodes will probably be dropping at the same time on YouTube. We haven't worked out yet, but we will. We, we will, do. and at some point we may even do a video to accompany the podcast. I don't know how that's going to look and feel and work, um, but you know, if if you guys have got experience with that, or you've got a space that we can perhaps do it in, mm. why not? We can see whether it's something we can do in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose that's it. It is. Let's wrap things up. Uh, I'm off to go home now. I'm going to avoid some falling babies out of windows. I've been Dan. Um, and I'm going to try not to get onto any kind of boats um, and avoid people with certain names. I'm Alex. Don't open those tombs. You've been warned. We'll see you next time. 